Welcome to the latest edition of New Project Media's Interconnections Podcast. I'm East Coast reporter Colt Shaw. In late October, the Georgetown County Council in North Carolina deferred the second reading or vote for Silicon Ranch's Lambert 1 and 2 solar projects after sustained vocal opposition from some residents. That reading was deferred to this week. Matt Beasley, the chief commercial officer for Silicon Ranch since 2015, sat down to chat with New Project Media ahead of the hearing about residential opposition to solar projects, how it has changed in recent years, and why the solar industry needs to meet the pushback with transparency and information. Beasley previously served as president of the Tennessee chapter of Solar Energy Industries Association, or Tennessea, and has witnessed firsthand the growth of solar across the Southeast. All right, Matt, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Cole. So yeah, obviously, uh, we spoke a, f- a few weeks back about the proposed combined 200 megawatt Lambert 1 and 2 uh, solar projects in Georgetown County, South Carolina. Uh, you guys, uh, Silicon Ranch, have uh, requested a rezoning and a revision of the future land use map for the projects. Um, and at that time, a second reading of the three that are needed uh, was deferred to December 13th today. Um, I was wondering if you have any updates to share on that front or sort of uh, wh- where those, uh, you know, where that process kind of stands at the moment. Yeah, that, that's that's correct, Colt. So the, the meeting is, is scheduled for this evening. Uh, we've got uh, uh, a few folks from the team uh, who are going to be there and, and uh, it, there's a public comment period tonight as well. So uh, certainly there to participate in that in that uh, important part of the, the session. If the meeting uh, or the vote uh, is is deferred uh, till January, I think January 10th is the next uh, next time for this, the second reading. And then, you know, uh, once you get through the second reading, there's a third reading a couple weeks after that to formally get the, uh, the, the permit where we can mobilize and begin construction on the project. Yeah. Well, also, when we spoke you, um, you know, after the deferral, you had said that the deferral itself and sort of the amount of opposition that, you know, led to it uh, weren't necessarily expected for the project, but that it's, you know, you know, not surprising, increasingly uh, common uh, in the uh, pre-development process. Um, I was wondering if you could talk uh, just about how the uh, residential opposition aspect of pre-development uh, has changed uh, from when you first started with Silicon Ranch in uh, 2015. Yeah, uh, when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, one of the things I was saying is, you know, opposition, uh, we had not uh, encountered any opposition with these projects and and kind of we've been working on these projects for quite some time, as you can uh, imagine, they were awarded as part of a a procurement process with the uh, Santee Cooper and and Central Electric, uh, the co-op G&T. And, uh, you know, we approached this project like we do any other project, you you have uh, town halls and you 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 meet with your neighbors and, and other local stakeholders and constituents and make sure that uh, you're uh, listening to uh, concerns as they're raised. We um, did encounter some opposition, but as I said a couple of weeks ago, that's not necessarily unique to this South Carolina or, or even this part of the country. And it is something that I think not just Silicon Ranch, but the industry uh, writ large is experiencing uh, more commonly uh, in parts all over the country. Yeah, and you, you said you noticed uh, a certain consistency among talking points uh, from opponents. And, you know, Silicon Ranch obviously is developing in the Southeast, the Midwest, out West. Um, just sort of a high level, uh, what do these testimonies uh, from, you know, neighbors or nearby residents uh, have in common? Yeah. And are there any like themes that seem to circulate um, in specific regions? Um, and I, I, I suppose there are commonalities across industries. And again, this is you know, not necessarily unique to solar as a as a development, but uh, but certainly the, the the themes have have uh, evolved over time in terms of 
what are the traditional um, uh, opposing viewpoints, uh, you know, anti-solar, if you want to call it that, uh, over time. And, you know, a few years ago, when I first started getting in this, uh, into this business, it was all about solar's too expensive. You know, it was always the, the, the line that I'm sure you, you heard many times as well of, you know, the little old lady's going to have to choose between paying her light bill or, or paying for her, you know, prescription medication. So the rich guy on the top of the hill can, can have access solar and you know i think as solar became increasingly cost competitive and now in most parts of the many parts of the country the lowest cost form of new electricity generation is utility scale solar and so as that uh you know uh has run its course there are new um kind of opposing viewpoints and and, and common themes that we're seeing seeing and you know a lot of them do focus around land use but others uh focus around uh you know uh, uh misinformation for, for lack of a better word where you know it's requiring a, a much deeper and it's totally acceptable but a, a much deeper dive into educating the public in terms of the benefits and, and also addressing kind of the myths and misconceptions about what some negative externalities they perceive or have been told could be a result of of uh, installing solar panels uh, on property in the, in the community have you noticed any uh region in particular that has had you know I guess, louder volume or, you know, extra residents coming out to these meetings, uh, or is it just sort of a, you know, slow, uh, you know, increase over time across the board? Probably more the, more the, the latter cult. I mean, I think if you looked at this as a, as a, not necessarily a Silicon ranch question, but a, a question of the, of the industry, uh, just, you know, you check the, the, the media and you'd see stories from California to Nevada to Illinois and Ohio and Indiana, um, you know, not just South Carolina. So it's it's pretty uh, broad. But I, again, you know, part of what I've been observing has been a, a certain consistency in, in the message. And I think part of that uh, falls back onto the industry to, to kind of uh, recognize what these concerns are and, and take more proactive steps. Uh, to, to mitigate those concerns or address those concerns or educate the public so that, um, you know, that we can all, um, you know, these communities can make informed decisions on a common set of facts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, speaking on that sort of, you know, uh, organization uh, behind the scenes, um, obviously there's no question that, you know, fossil fuel companies and other sort of opponents of, you know, the energy transition um, have intervened, um, you know, out in the open um, at the state regulatory level. Um, while you know renewable projects are looking for approval, they you know step in as an intervener and provide evidence that they think will you know maybe sink the project. Um, but obviously, it's it's also been revealed uh, that you know, say in Ohio, um, the coal giant Murray Energy has bankrolled consultants and lawyers that represent local residents um, that are bringing you know their opposition to these meetings. Um, this was specifically for the. Um, Freshwater ice uh, icebreaker project, um, the pilot project, uh, offshore wind um, off the coast of Cleveland. Mm. Um, that obviously uh, that was you know revealed. So obviously yeah, it yeah. seems like a harder form of disruption to kind of track. It's a little bit more right. um, you know just uh, you know osmosis out into you know it's kind of hard to uh, put your finger on. So I was wondering if you might be able to yeah. sort of uh, touch on outside influence uh, in general from, you know, the relatively benign, I'm sure, you know, there's pamphlets uh, circulated when you guys are looking to, you know, start the early process of a uh, solar farm yeah. um, to the more insidious stuff. And I was wondering how you've seen that kind of morph in your time at Silicon Ranch. 
Yeah, I, I, I uh, am not quite as, as familiar with the, the Murray Energy uh, um, uh, anecdote you just shared, but but certainly have seen that in, in, in the past. And that's not to say that opposition or you know, vocal uh, concerns being raised by neighbors and, and community stakeholders is always uh, uh, evidence that there's some some yeah. conspiracy afoot. But but certainly, you know, it, there, there's evidence that in, in other places uh, that that has been the case where there's been a bit more mobilization of a, uh, of a of a campaign, uh, if you will. I mean, I, you know, I uh, follow um, uh, media of, of kind of all political angles and including Fox News. And even this summer was seeing uh, a story of, uh, you know, the headline was Rush Toward Green Energy Has Left in uh, the U.S. Incredibly Vulnerable to Summer Blackouts, Expert Warns. Well, it, I, you know, <laughs> I'm no the, uh, investigative researcher, but I just Googled the, the name of the so-called expert and he's backed by the Koch brothers. And so, right. you know, <laughs> shame on Fox for kind of putting him forward to be this expert of uh, the implications of uh, the energy transition. But that's what we deal with and in, in kind of the, the media landscape and political landscape that we're in today. Yeah, no, yeah, like like you said, sometimes that sort of controlled opposition is not really directed. It's just sort of omnidirectional. And if you're a consumer of a particular news source, it's going to kind of paint your worldview. Um, and it you know it doesn't need to be something as sinister as a you know a guy from a coal company getting in your ear. Um, yeah, it, it, another yeah. case that I, I found interesting: uh, uh, a writer for the Atlantic um, um, put put a, a thread out the other day that uh, was talking about one individual who has organized campaigns and trained community activists to uh, uh, oppose solar and wind farms. And it's a it's a guy in North Carolina who is a semi-retired real estate developer who has reinvented himself as a quote unquote physicist. No formal training, no no certificate that, yeah. <laughs> but yet he, he puts himself out there and, and speaks in public hearings opposing projects from hit through the lens of I'm a I'm a physicist and therefore he he lends false credibility to his claims. I mean, yeah, you know, one of our founders is a physicist, a Harvard trained physicist. So I think yeah. we might uh, need to put him at the at the next hearing to 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 counter these claims because again, a lot of them come from you know um, from um, kind of this 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 biased opposition. But again, part of what I want to make clear is. In other cases, you know, many cases, it is actual concerned neighbors and citizens raising concerns that they they have about development in their community, and that is something that we have always strived to address. Mm-hmm. You know, again, part of what makes Silicon Ranch unique is we're the long-term owner and operator of all of our projects, so we don't we're not a typical quote-unquote developer. We don't develop projects to then flip them to a third party. So. Whenever we're developing a project, it is with the intent of being, in most cases, if not all cases, the landowner and property owner and taxpayer in those communities, but also the owner and operator of those projects. So it does influence the way we think about these relationships. It's not, hey, how do we how do we get past this opposition so that we can get the permit and, and, and move on? It is more of how do we how do we be good neighbors? And I think that's part of. As I kind of, you know, am involved in uh, the the SIA chapters and, and other as trade associations, that's part of what I'm always advocating for. Is hey, we as an industry have an obligation to be good actors, even if you're not going to be the long-term owner and operator, but you're just 
just the developer. And I don't mean to say it that way, but if you're planning on not being part of that community, you should still take the time to address these concerns on the front end so that they don't create um, irreparable harm to that project or the, you know, the owner operator's uh, ability to, to earn the social license to operate in those communities. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you mentioned this uh, self-described uh, physicist, this yeah. amateur physicist. I was wondering if there's any other examples that of you've seen, like, so for example, like, you know, uh, pushback to a wind farm might include uh, a realistic concern like flicker, you know, that, you know, at, at as the sun is setting, your your house is going to be getting dark light, dark lit. Yeah. And then also, you know, some people have read somewhere on the internet that uh, the tone of the sound of the of the turbines can like cause brain cancer or something like that. Uh, does that something that you, uh, I guess, uh, encounter frequently doing solar farms or is it usually more just like land use concern? Yeah, there, there are there are questions that that uh, are fairly common almost into an FAQ category, if you will, of, of concerns about electromagnetic radiation. And you mm -hmm. have to say that, the, you know, there's zero and there's more in your in your home from your microwave than from uh, even if it's a utility scale plant next door, you know, concerns about toxic leaching. And you have to, again, address concerns about glare. You know, hey, mm -hmm. these panels uh, absorb sunlight, not reflected, and we've run glint glare analyses. But there's just these, 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 this, um, this list of, as I say, FAQs. And and so what we typically do is, is you know, you can only meet with so many members of the public in person. But we try to host town hall meetings where we actually bring subject matter experts and put them in different stations to to address different concerns. If it's about land use, we've got that subject matter expert who. We can talk about our regenerative energy approach to, to land management. If it's about something technical about the interconnection of the facility, we've got our energy delivery expert there to talk about that. If it's about our uh, role or involvement long term in the community, we've got folks from our community engagement uh, group that can speak to that. So we, we try to do that on a on a on a kind of a group basis as a town hall. We also try to meet with neighbors in their homes or you know wherever throughout that process. And what we've started to do in, in certain cases where we've felt that there, you know, there was certainly a need is, is we're, we're also um, publishing kind of microsites where you know, not everybody can attend a town hall or wants to, but they're curious. So let's put all of the questions that we've received, let's prepare answers and, 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 and make those available to the public so that they can all get access to the information, even if they're not coming to the hearings or the, or the town halls as well. And we found that that's, uh, an effective way to show that, you know, hey, we want to make sure that everybody's informed. We want to make sure that everybody has access to the same level of information. And, you know, some people realize, hey, others in my community have the same questions. And actually, there are some um, factual answers to uh, to respond to those as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yesterday I spoke with a, uh, a lawyer who is representing another uh, developer who's active in the Carolinas. They have filed a petition uh, in state court to overturn uh, Pender County, North Carolina's decision uh, to deny their solar project a special use permit. But uh, one thing they alleged that I found interesting was that the Board of Commissioners used uh, ex parte or ex parte or ex parte conversations, yeah. um, basically off the record or behind the scenes uh, to arrive at that decision. Um, and they had referenced conversations with neighbors or farmers that had swayed them, you know, towards motioning to deny uh, the project. Mm -hmm. 
um, basically the material of those chats was not given a chance to be vetted or, yeah. you know, either, uh, you know, opposed or, you know, had have uh, holes poked through it. So I was wondering if this is a problem that you have run into um, in terms of basically, uh, I don't want to call it collusion, but kind of, you know, sidestepping the actual uh, process of, you know, uh, bringing facts forth and kind of putting them through the vetting process. It's in the in North Carolina. I'd be curious if uh, the, 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 self-described uh, physicist was part of those conversations because that's where he's uh, that's where he's from as well. really yeah um, yeah <laughs> uh, but uh, i'd be curious to learn the, the answer to that uh, that has not been our experience i mean you certainly have to expect that there are off the record conversations that take place but what we've always tried to do is there are public processes that you that you follow and we've always tried to maintain a uh, strict adherence to those public processes where there are public comment hearings make sure that you're you're there. Uh, you're hearing the, the the objections that you and others who are in favor of the project are also given equal time to uh, to, to share their perspective as well. And that you know that's we, we we you know one of our guiding principles is we listen, learn, and respond. And we 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 take that very seriously because it's again it's all about earning the social license. And certainly there are a uh, countless sidebar conversations that take place with various uh, community stakeholders throughout the development process. But really where we want to be heard is in these public hearings and, and be able to uh, um, have that be part of the public record. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just one last question to kind of wrap up here. You had mentioned um, kind of having subject matter experts um, mm -hmm. on hand for these different concerns. I was wondering yeah. if there's any other kind of workarounds uh, that you have or Silicon Ranch has deployed to just kind of try to break through, you know, either concerted opposition or individual landowners with concerns, um, you know, be they valid or unfounded is it just basically just being available at uh you know uh, when these concerns are brought up and having people to direct them to yeah by workarounds just you mean like kind of methods of, of engaging yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and trying to kind of uh you yeah. know yeah yeah you, you know you, you try to have your um your toolbox be as 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 as, as deep and broad as it, as it can be because you know my very first day at Silicon Ranch, I was told by the founders, once you've seen one solar project, you've seen one solar project. And I thought that was kind of a cute cliche, but, you know, that's absolutely borne itself out every day that I've been at Silicon Ranch for the past eight years. Every project is different. The needs and the wants and the desires of every community are different as well. So you can't take a, a cookie cutter or a one size fits all approach. And that's where, you know, yes, there is kind of a common set of FAQs that, can address most of the of the the issues raised, but there you you have to be able to customize the 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 message and the answers to 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 meet the specific questions that are being raised. So we've done a broad base: the, the town halls, the the individual one on ones, the uh, the micro sites, the you know every way that we can engage to uh, to educate is is so critical, and that's that's where again. You know, we would never want a situation where people didn't feel that they had access to to the information. And again, that's one of the things that I, I want to make sure that the industry embraces as well, because all too often, you know, it, a big difference when, when I started you know, and when Silicon Ranch was founded, there was no solar in the southeast. So every market that we were going into, we did the first project in Tennessee, Georgia, Arkansas, Mississippi. We've just commissioned the first utility scale project to get approved in, in the state of Kentucky that we just uh, finished building just before Thanksgiving. So every place that you're going, it, it's 
there was there was this newness. So there was curiosity, but you weren't dealing with um, bad experiences that these communities had had with other developers. And, and I think that's where we as an industry have to hold ourselves accountable. And, you know, we've done this. When I was president of Tennessee, the, the Tennessee Valley chapter of SIA, we had an issue with predatory solar, rooftop solar. And so, you know, or, you know it wasn't just a, a question of utility scale. This was a, a rooftop solar issue, but we as an industry came together and worked with TVA to create a preferred providers program because the actions of one or two bad actors in rooftop solar, we didn't want that to create a negative um, uh, expectation of all rooftop solar providers. So we, we, we worked with TVA to say that here, here are a set of preferred providers who meet certain standards and, and kind of the industry came together and worked with our utility partner to hold itself accountable. And I think, you know, I don't know what that looks like on the utility scale side, but I think we need to start doing things the right way as an industry or else it's gonna get a lot harder for all of us, including those of us who are doing things the right way. All right. I think that is a a great answer and a good off-ramp for us. Uh, Matt, thank you for your time and insight. And I'm sure we'll be in touch uh, as this issue continues to evolve. Cool. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate you exploring this important topic. Yeah, absolutely.